You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, we finished up chapter 1 and started into chapter 2 as we continued in the book of Philippians. The passage included chapter 1, verse 27, through chapter 2, verse 4. On today's podcast, we start by talking about the Apostles' Creed that we recited together during our time of worship and how that incorporates some language that may feel foreign to some of us. We also discuss what it means to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus, as Paul instructs us. Also, what it means to live in unity and why Josh described suffering as a gift to us during his message on Sunday. All of this and more today on After the Message. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast this week. Hey Mike, how you, how you doing, Hi, Mike. Mike? It's a good morning. <laughs> it actually is a great morning. It's nice, gorgeous nice outside. Uh, yeah, yes, it is. It's still cool. It's a little muggy mm-hmm. in here, but hey, yeah, we're good. <laughs> it is a little warm it's in a here. A little warm. Um, Peter works. Outside. I think it's supposed to warm up later this week too. Outside, stop Is saying it? things. Oh no, let's keep it mm. cool. Well, I'm what a Debbie Downer. Let's I pretend. Mean, I mean, I'm not creating the weather. I'm just <laughs> you're the worst. Just reporting it. <laughs> I'm just reporting. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying what the app said. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So everybody, good this week. Did you have a good weekend? It was great. Yeah. We yeah. we spent some time at the fair. Yeah. Which that was yeah. an experience all in itself. We got a giant alien. Always is. Can I say yeah. I love I loved your statement? Like Disney World would have been cheaper. It would have been. Oh, Bro, yeah. In two hours, we spent what I think it cost a day to go to Disney World. Uh, oh, listen, that is that is <laughs> the absolute fair. truth. I got to tell you. So when we, uh, Lori and I, and Kaylin moved up here from Orlando. 15 years ago. Uh-huh. That's right? where Disney our, is. Our first year. So, and, and we used to spend a lot of time at Disney. We had a lot of friends there that worked there and all that. And so, um, we came uh, and went to the fair our first year here. And no lie, we spent more money in <laughs> yeah. that trip to the fair that we than we ever did at Disney. Oh. Like for a day at Disney. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it was dirty and... <laughs> Tell you what, those prices aren't fair. Oh! Hey. He was working on that. 20 minutes. Came out of hiding for that. 20 minutes you were working on that. Wow. It was great. The best thing I had at the fair. There were a lot of good things. The food, of course, mm-hmm. is always the highlights. The free biscuit at the biscuit booth. Um, but, you know, there's something about the biscuit booth being right next to the livestock arena. There's something about the smell and the ambiance of that place that's a little bit tough. So you walk, you know, I would say almost a half mile down the the, the main fair. Um, fair. And uh, we got fried Oreos. And mm-hmm. it was yes. magical. Every bite was spectacular. And I would pay the $17 for four fried Oreos mm-hmm. again. Just for $17. $17. Because I think it was $15 and it was $2 convenience fee to use my card. Oh, mercy. Oh, boy. Wow. They got you trapped. They got me. That is crazy. I ain't mad at it, though. It's crazy. Well, (laughs) and there's there's something about prudence when you you pay, because technically I was paying to not be as much of a glutton as I would be, because I could certainly cook those on my own. It's easy to do. But I would eat an entire pack of Oreos deep fried <laughs> for five bucks That's as right. opposed to That's four right. for 17. So I'm paying for moderation. Some strategy. Um, so there's, strategy. there's I strategize right. there you go. going wow. to the fair. Yeah. It's helpful. There you go. <laughs> well, good. Did I, did I make my, my gluttony sound better? Mm, much okay. better. Yeah. Much better. Sounds great. 
Wow. <laughs> well, hey, uh, in the room today, just so everybody's aware, we've got Sean Selman. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Josh Braddy. Yeah. Preston Crow. Hello. Crow. And Chase Hammock as our yeah. producer, who also made uh, a really fair really comment. Fair, fair comment. joke. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Fair comment. It was yeah. fair. That's that's fair. That's good, man. Wasn't great, but it was, it was fair. <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, so it's uh, it's good to, uh, to to be in the room and have conversation today, and to uh, talk about the uh, the sermon, yeah, from Sunday, mm. yeah. So we we finally made it out of chapter one, barely after, yeah, after barely. what four weeks, <laughs> yeah, what two verses into chapter two, so we we've just barely hit it. Four verses, four, four, yeah. four, four verses. Four. Oh, Mike was walking on stage for the I last two. Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I, I do have a tendency to always sort of miss your your final comments. They're because, the best ones, Mike. Well, I know. <laughs> But but it's it's a little hard to you know do the things I need to do at the end and, yeah, well, and, uh, and still tune in intently. Multitask, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to multitask. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, as we're talking uh, as we're talking today, so uh, Sunday we we did something uh, in early in our service which we've done once before. We recited the Apostles' Creed together, mm-hmm. and uh, which which I thought was hmm. just a really good experience mm-hmm. like and i think the thought of uh for me the thought of that creed sort of connecting us to the universal church mm-hmm. or you know the uh the the, the global church right. and historic church uh, yeah um not just the current universal yeah. church around right. us but the uh those yeah. who've gone before us and of course there's some language in that in that creed that it maybe seems a little foreign to to right. to some of yeah. us and and so we we explained or I explained rather you did a great uh, job too. the uh the sort of the meaning of the word catholic in the uh in the creed but there's also another phrase in there that that maybe maybe is a problematic for some uh some may struggle with and it says that that uh Christ descended into hell right and um, so let's talk about that for a moment, because I think there were probably some in the in the uh, the service Sunday that, that maybe were a little uneasy with that. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, again, I, we don't as as Broadmoor particularly, but I would even say as Baptists, we we don't spend a lot of time in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, although I, I think we should. I think there's great relevance, but there's also great teaching, and and it does connect us to to the historical church um, to make sure that we are we are anchored to what the many of the first believers were were anchoring themselves towards right so a couple things about the apostles creed number 1 the apostles did not write the creed but it is a creed created to say this is what the apostles taught and so we we see this creed written around 3 400 AD uh, this would be something that would unite the church to come together to say these are the tenets of our faith we we may be able to disagree on other things but these these are the things that are non-negotiables for yeah. us, that, that no matter where we are, no matter how we are functioning as a church, these are the core tenets and the core values of the church. Now, when, when we get to some of those things, they're, they're easy, right? And, and some of them are harder. And so when we get to he descended into hell or descended into to the, to the dead, uh, as some translation may look, um, I believe the verse that, that is anchored there is 1 Peter 3. Uh, 18 through 20, I'll read that verse, uh, verses. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God, God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which 
A few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now, when we, we go back to this, there, there's just this idea that we may, we may be caught off guard when we read or recite without foreknowledge of he descended to the dead. But what would you think he did? Like there, there's some people who would argue with the thief on the cross that he says, well, today you will be with me in paradise. Therefore, Christ went to paradise in that day. Um, again, we, we can get into the argument of what is paradise and, and, and what is it today for, for Jesus. And mm. uh, he is not bound by time or, or space for us. Uh, but this scripture, as Peter writes, is, is pretty clear um, that Jesus goes and he he preaches to those who are in prison, those who, who were, are held captive. Now, again, that goes probably not against what you've learned growing up in a Baptist world, but I just don't think we learned a lot about this area mm-hmm. in a Baptist world. Yeah. Uh, there was just the idea of Jesus dies, and then Easter Sunday comes. Hooray! But what happens in the in-between time? Yeah. And there has been much thought outside of, of our you know Southern Baptist yeah. understanding. Yeah. Um, there. That's a good point, because I think growing up, most of what we talked about, obviously, was what was happening amongst the disciples and the others left behind after he died. Right. But very little discussion, if any, of where was Jesus and what was he doing during that time? During those, exactly right. yeah, those three days, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's some. There's some churches who, when they read this creed, um, they, they omit that line because it makes them uncomfortable or, or they can't quite um, get there with that passage. And, and I guess that's fine. It's not scripture. Um, so you, you can kind of admit yeah. Uh, omit what you you desire to omit, but I would just I would caution anyone that if you're looking at a historical church document that for for you know over a thousand years the church has been united over this thing, I would be really careful of omitting things just because it makes us feel uncomfortable because mm. we weren't brought up to know what that was. Is that that's more than likely the reason we haven't talked a lot about this, right? Because I, I think so because we have a tendency to avoid. Yeah. uncomfortable right. or difficult subjects. Right. And and the fact is, uh, just looking at First Peter, we're, we're not going to totally figure it. Like there's yeah. some mystery right. to there's it mystery. of exactly yeah. what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, if we, uh, going back to the theology stuff, like yeah. if, if I take the whole of scripture, there are some things that we can know. Right. Um, and so some, do we want to talk about some options? Sure, like, do it. So yeah, just, just the whole idea of some people believe is it is it just the moment that Christ has the, the promise has been realized, right? Right. And so there's this moment that he's preaching to the Old Testament right. saints, so right. to speak, to say the promise has been fulfilled, that right. everything has been made new, like right. you are free in Christ. Um, the other one is the proclamation of victory, right? right. To to all those, um, to those who, who have place their faith in Christ and, and to those, those who, have, who not. have not. Um, and we can get into all kinds of, but, yeah. but just briefly, there's, there's several ideas about this passage. Um, so I think it's important that as we look into difficult subjects, are we holding on to other, all the other truths mm-hmm. of scripture as well? Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we may not fully figure it out. We, we may not know fully what that looked like on that day right. that yeah. Christ descended, as, as the creed says, descended yeah. into hell. But we can have some ideas of of some truths that we can know because of Scripture. Yeah. Um, and so, so anyway. Just... No, I, I think you're you're exactly right. And I think um, you know, there's the more you you dive into Scripture, uh, and again, I know I know whenever we look at our Bible, it looks small, like because it, it's in 
a book form and it's 66 books, but it's, I mean, you can hold it and put it in your backpack. You can take it with you. It's on your phone. But the more you get into that thing, you mm-hmm. see that it is so vast. Yeah, it is right. alive. Yeah. It is, uh, it, it is sharper than any two edged short. And, and one day it'll cut you this way and another day it'll cut you that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there is, there is wisdom in approaching the scripture with, um, I would say not being arrogant for for sure, but I think a, a, a humble a humility as, as when you come to the text that you would say to this to this word, I've got to be okay not not knowing fully what these things are, mm-hmm. um, at least completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it says something, I believe that it's true, true. because it tells me yeah. that it is. I, I may not be may able not to reckon that it, just but, yet, yeah. but it is true because yeah. it says so. I think it does say something about the posture by which we approach Scripture, mm-hmm. because even though this was not part of the the passage we were in this time, we will get to it sure. at some point. And and because of the way that you typically preach expository, right. we're, we're going to go verse, verse right. by verse. So we're going to hit it. So I think it does speak to not only in that yeah. verse, but other verses that we read that we go, I don't really fully understand that, but I do believe it. And but then what do I do? Yeah. I believe mm-hmm. it. I don't understand it. Where do I go? And sometimes our tendency is to go, well, it can't mean this. So yeah, sure. let's just move forward. Yeah. So can I? I'm going to give a. This is crazy. I'm going to give a shout out to Kendall Moore because he made a statement that I loved. So we're we're doing a theology class on yep. mm-hmm. Wednesday nights, and we, we've talked about a lot of things in there. But his statement, I was like, that is such a good statement when it comes to hard and difficult issues in the word that that causes yeah cause our brains to become mm-hmm. pretzels right and so but he said this is what scripture says i believe it mm-hmm. i can teach it but i can't necessarily explain it yeah yeah mm. and i think that is a That's that a is word. a great yeah. posture to have mm-hmm. um i can tell you this this um i can i can believe it with everything that i am but i can't fully mm-hmm explain every detail right. of it or know exactly how this plays out, but right. but I know yeah. it to be true. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's just a great statement for us to remember yep. when we get to hard truths in the Bible. Mm. Like, yeah. I may not be able to explain it yeah. logically. Because there will always be a God's mystery word. in certain God's aspects word, of it. Yeah, but God's because word God says it's true. Not. So I'm going to believe it. I can tell you that this is true, but mm-hmm. I may not be able to logically explain, explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What it goes, Kindle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What it goes, Kindle? I hope Kindle's listening. <laughs> yes. Maybe. So, um, well, uh, so hey, on on Sunday we we went into uh, Philippians one, started in verse twenty seven, and uh, and so Josh, you you started because this 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 first verse here uh, it says only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so you spent some time right in the very minute or in the very beginning of your, your message, uh, just talking about what it means to live in a manner worthy of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I love, by the way, the, um, you know, you gave a couple of illustrations, but particularly the one about, uh, I mean, you did the John Wayne thing, but, uh, (laughs) but then you also did, uh, you also, you also talked about kind of the sports analogy, how, you know, when we walk into one another's homes, often we know exactly where their allegiances lie when it comes to yeah, uh, yeah. to sports or something like that. In our lives, our spiritual lives ought to be the same thing. Like, That's exactly right. You know, people, ought to, people ought to be, be able to easily recognize uh, where our allegiance is. Yeah, that, and, and particularly where we live in Madison, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with our culture, we, we, we wear our allegiance 
on everything that we have. We we will drip out our homes, our cars, <laughs> our 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 body, like everything is going to to prove what we love, what we've spent money on, where our kids are going to school, like like those things. And Paul's point isn't lost on on that illustration. He's even talking about the fact that they're in Philippi, in Greece, far away from Rome, but in the city and the time that they're living in would look exactly like Rome. Uh, and he would say, look, as, as believers, the way that you live your life, the way that you order your life, the things that you love, the things that you, you are going to do and be about should all prove that you belong to another city. Uh, so when people look at you, they should be able to say, that's mm. different than here. Yeah. That's different than, than what I understood growing up in a Roman culture. That's, that's different than what I learned in a Roman school. Um, and I think there's something beautiful to that. And um, you know, going back again, I, I said yesterday, I love the ESV. It's the, the version of the Bible that I like to preach out of. Um, but the CSB, I think, gets it most right, at least in that very first line only, because they use the, the phrase one thing. Like, like here's, here's one about the whole of Christian life. Here's the one thing it comes down to. Let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I think in that, like we could have just stopped right there, yeah. moved into invitation time and let it be it. But I think every day, like we should wake up and, and not with a guilt, like, okay, so we, we have to put that already off. Jesus, mm-hmm. if you're a believer, there's no more guilt and there's no more shame. At least there shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't confront sin every day and be repentant of sin every day, okay? And so with that, we wake up each day. This is this is the practice that I attempt to do every day. I wake up and say, Father, what is it about my life, how I'm doing it, what I'm what I'm a part of, the, the things that are going to be on my calendar for the week, am I, do I, is my life proving that I belong to you? Mm. Like, again, I'm not trying to gain his affection. I already have it. I'm not, I'm not doing this out of guilt or shame or, or trying harder to be better. I'm doing this because I want to represent him well. I want to give a good, faithful, and accurate witness to the yeah. Lord Jesus that I love. Uh, and I think it's right for us every day, probably multiple times throughout the day, to sort out that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and this was for them to do everywhere they went, right? This was everywhere. not just, That's right. hey, when you're at church, conduct yourselves this way. This was... In your life, whatever's going on around you, whatever circles you're in, if you're at church, if you're in the public square, if you're hanging out with your friends, whatever, wherever you are, conduct yourselves in this way. And I think that's sometimes that's the hard part. It's like, well, with I'm, when I'm with this group or when I'm in this setting, then conducting myself in a manner worthy of the gospel is is fairly easy. But you pull me out and put me in this setting over here, mm-hmm. and now wait, if I do that, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. Right. We like to be chameleons. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and the reality is we should stick out in certain settings because of the way that we're living. It should look, you know, different from different. Rome, yeah. right? Um, but sometimes it's just hard to, it's hard to pull the trigger on yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Well, I think what we're talking about is so different too than, than our, uh, you know, I guess, typical Southern culture, you know, because... Yeah. Because uh, I mean, you've you've heard maybe heard the phrase cultural Christianity, yeah. you know, and, and and there is this sort of idea that well, you know, because I go to church and, and everybody sort of does here, mm-hmm. you know. Although I think that's increasingly less the case. Sure. Um, but you know, that's kind of like our, the idea. It's well, you know, I tell people I go to church, you know, or yeah, I, right. I do this. I, I I go to church on Sundays, and I'm okay, and I'm living, you know. Living in a manner worthy of the gospel, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that's not at all what what we're talking about here. No. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that was it was 
I loved the illustration, and I thought I thought it was really helpful—a helpful, a helpful Thanks, way to frame man. that and think about it. Thinking through it, it reminded me of of growing up and Picayune. That that's where I'm from. Um, Picayune is a pretty religious place, right? And it's it's near the Gulf Coast, not on the Gulf Coast. It's near New Orleans. It's not in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you get the religiosity of, of kind of the Catholic culture mm-hmm. uh, and, and deeply rooted Baptist culture in South Mississippi. So both of those things kind of come together. And I remember um, part of that is like I think it could be easy to fall into this, this idea of using the sports analogy – like trying to buy all the right jersey stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, so you know, you can walk into a home in South Mississippi. I think it's true in Madison as well. But you walk into a home and you can see crosses, all like the, the giant cross wall. And right. we probably have them in our house. Cross wall here, uh, a picture of the, the crucifixion here or the Last Supper here. Or uh, I remember growing up and there was this um, crusade that came through Picayune, um, the, the evangelistic crusade kind of deal and they were selling t-shirts and you know they were like man if you're sold out for jesus you need to come buy these t-shirts probably why i have such a a poor taste of of evangelistic (laughs) crusades today so i went i was like mom i gotta i gotta buy all these shirts i I gotta let people know (laughs) that that i love jesus and it was you know um uh it was god instead of gold's gym it was god's gym and it was jesus on the cross doing a push-up and he's absolutely jacked right uh and 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 so i remember and it was probably because we were poor but my mom made a really good theological statement to me that I'll never forget. And I don't think she meant it at all this way, but God used it. She was like, Josh, you don't need a shirt to tell people you love Jesus. Uh And if you do, you probably need to have another conversation with the preacher. Mm. And I was like, oh boy. Wow. Well, and, and I really mom. what I think she was doing was we don't have $25 a pop to go buy one of these shirts. Uh, but it, it spoke oh, volumes to me yeah. and yeah. where we live in our culture. I don't think Paul's talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, as 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 he writes to this church, he's not saying, "Hey, don't don't wear the Roman jersey." Mm-hmm. And so instead, go buy all this this mm-hmm. you know Christian paraphernalia. Although I don't think it was on the scene just yet, right? But I think there were certain things they could say. Well, this is what a Christian would do, like the the ichthus, the Jesus uh-huh. fish on the car. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you're gonna be mean and cut people off in traffic, don't don't, don't put the Jesus sticker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a condition of the heart, not right. necessarily just how you. Right. Order the, the things yeah. in your life. But yeah. those right. things matter. Well, and, and I was actually going to mention that because we can, I think, do more damage when we try to have all the trappings of being a follower of Christ, but our lives are not lived in a, in a manner mm. worthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So people see how we live and they go, well, that's not, I don't, I don't want that. But they see us as a Christian because we have all the the things, right? right. That, or we go to church or whatever. Yeah. And so sometimes I think it can be more confusing to the outside world because they identify us as a Christian, but then they look at the way that we live and go, that doesn't line up. Yeah, which is probably why you're so many, uh, so many use the word hypocrite when it comes to the church. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, moving on in that, that same verse and, and, and into the next, it talks about just that we have a call or, or Paul is calling us to live in unity and live in one accord. And so let's, let's take a couple of minutes and just talk about the importance of unity. So, uh, I, so originally, um, at one point, I was going to be preaching this passage. That's right. And this this verse stood out to me because um, I think it speaks a lot to how does how does unity happen, right? So one is we have to be in on the gospel, right? We have we have to be committed to Christ. Christ is going to bring about that unity, but unity doesn't happen alone, right? And it, it, Paul's stressing. 
you cannot do this individually. That's right. You cannot do this alone. You have to have others running beside you, walking mm-hmm. beside you along the journey every step of the way. And so I believe there's there's power in unity for the sake of bringing the gospel to bear on our lives. But then as we do that, we mm-hmm. then see it play out um, as we strive together in that same gospel, right? And so in the same way, he goes on down, verse 28, he says, and so don't be frightened in anything. And he's basically saying that if you don't, if you don't stand together, if you don't stand in unity, then your opponents win, mm-hmm. right? Basically, mm-hmm. and um, and so there's there's this thing that that Christ, um, Christ Church is um, going to carry the gospel forth in unity, and so and it has to be not around what we think, what we sing, mm-hmm. uh, how. It has to be centered around Christ, and so it has it has to be about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so those those are just things that come to mind initially yeah. when we think about unity. But um, I think and you said earlier, and it's not it's not uniformity. I think that's, that's right. That's part that's of exactly you know right. there there can be plenty of things that we might see differently or disagree on um, with a fellow you know brother or sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. But that's when right. it comes to the main thing, uh, to Jesus, to the gospel, then that's where the unity comes in, and that's, that's right. the part that that binds us together. And I think you mentioned an enemy, you know, an opponent. If if there's anything that our enemy, Satan, would do to destroy the work of Christ, he's he's probably going to attack it. He's going to attack in the church, right? Mm, and right. so when we see big C church, you know, church around, universal church, uh, when we see struggles, it's often not because of the outside pressure on the church. In fact, sometimes that will mm-hmm. strengthen the church. Right. Usually where it breaks down is from within the church right. where there is disunity. And so I think right. that is one of the enemy's primary tactics is getting us off of the main thing and onto those side things mm-hmm. That's right. where we're not unified. And then we begin to say, well, I, I'm better off just to go do my own thing. And I, and I think that's the key is that that Paul's reminding us here that if we get sidetracked by the I'm going to say the other things. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We we have to keep in mind what our unity needs to be about. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. So so if Satan can get us to think about, hey, we need to be unified on this method or mm-hmm. this program or the way we do something instead of the gospel, then he begins to drive those wedges in. And so it's it's just a reminder from Paul to, to say the one thing that binds us together the one thing that we have to be about is the gospel mm-hmm. uh, because it, it is the thing that has redeemed us, has changed us. Like Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. We follow him, him alone. Like that solidarity and focus on that one main thing mm-hmm. is how we maintain unity too, yeah. right? To mm-hmm. be reminded of what the main thing is. Mm-hmm. That's so and that's so helpful. And I, and I think, you know, just I love what you said, uh, Preston, just that it's, you know, we we strive for unity. It's not about uniformity, um, because yeah, because and I think that it's it's those those things that are not uniform that that are are often the things that trip us all up and we and we get hung up on, mm-hmm. and create such uh, such discord uh, in the church. And so, um, so Sean, I want to ask you because you 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 had an interesting thought before we uh, before we started recording this. 
um, just talking about, uh, you, you, you said, <laughs> like, you're, like, we, you're looking which, nervous. Which thought? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> it was mine saying, what did uh, I say? Uh, <laughs> well, no, but it was about, it was about how unity uh, often, uh, you know, because later in this passage, it talks about suffering. Mm. And we're going oh, yeah. to spend oh, some yeah. time talking okay. about that in a minute. But maybe as a segue to that, oh, yeah. you, 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 you had an observation that sometimes it's, it's the unity Right, that, you, that brings... you made it, it was just a brief statement you made, but it's th- this whole idea that if we have one heart, one mind toward the gospel, mm-hmm. and and we're a church or a group of people advancing that gospel, like we we tend to think, oh, if we're unified, everything will be great. Right. But what we find here is that that unity is actually brought persecution, That's right. has mm-hmm. brought suffering, um, and so to to have that mindset as a group of believers that the gospel not only unites us in purpose, but anything that might come against us, we're going to continue in, mm-hmm. like to, to be just so um, set on, we're going to continue to advance the gospel mm. no matter what. Yes, right. And so I'm not only going to walk alongside you in purpose, I'm going to walk alongside mm-hmm. you in suffering as well. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we typically have that mindset. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, even as I think about it now, you know, the, if I, th- if unity for the gospel makes the church more effective in the work of the gospel, then it it seems natural that that's going to lead to more persecution mm-hmm. right. and more suffering because mm-hmm. we're advancing the kingdom, which is countercultural. That's right. Uh, all the more, and mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, it was a great. I don't. Know, that was a great observation. Which I, and and I think that I think that's what pushes Paul into the side by side. Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, like we're gonna we're gonna walk in unity in the gospel, but we're gonna walk in unity in suffering as well. Mm-hmm. Like the, he doesn't leave, and you pointed that out. There's those two things that they're gonna be unified in. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's the gospel and the suffering. Yeah, yeah. their like, belief so, and their suffering. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's one of the biggest. Um, I would say the biggest, at least in my estimation of of culture for them and culture for us, and and how they approach Christianity for them. To side with Christ to say that I'm going to follow Him no matter what, they're signing up for persecution. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're signing up for a life that is that is going to be countercultural to the to the place that they live. I think we when we look back at, at history and, and history looks back at us even, we live in a, a place and a season of life, particularly in America, especially Madison, Mississippi. Where to be a Christian is to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Like to be a non-Christian in some ways, people are going to to potentially bring persecution to you, which is the wildest thing, right? Um, because it, it is almost opposite of what we see in the scriptures. And then when we feel any kind of persecution, we almost would say, well, oh no, I've done something wrong. Or, or God God doesn't have favor on me. Or God God must not be pleased with me. Or what am I? This is, this is the normal Christian life mm-hmm. uh, that we see in the scriptures. And mm-hmm. uh, it was through the two things that, that, that Paul says that are going to continue to to serve as a tool for uniting you. It's going to be your faith that is a gift from God and the suffering he yeah. allows. Yeah. Um, mm. Both of those are a gift to the church for they are going to unite you and continue to strengthen you. Yeah, and, and you you did spend a little time talking about how suffering is a gift and, uh, you know, which is not something that most of us would... Uh, we don't ask for that gift. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something we go seeking after or... Mm-hmm. Um, or we would necessarily view as a gift, but um, but I love the fact that, or, or kind of how you reframed that for us. Uh, you want to talk about that just for a moment, like like how is how is suffering a gift to us? Yeah, well, I think 
when we see the function of what suffering does, I think we can see the gift in it, right? But before we jump into that, I want to be clear. Uh, I don't believe that God causes evil. I know he doesn't cause evil. The scriptures teach that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I do believe suffering is what happens after something bad happens. Uh, and so some, some may argue that, okay, God doesn't cause evil, but he could step in after it and pick up all the pieces. If, if he's so good and so loving and he's everywhere and he's all powerful, why doesn't he just swoop in and, and make it all better? Why do, why do I continue to hurt? Why do I continue to grieve? Why do I continue fill in the blank with whatever the suffering is that, mm-hmm. that's in view, right? But I think here what, what Paul says to the church is two gifts, right? Belief is one of them. And that's key. I don't want us to jump over that mm-hmm. because – what he is saying there, and this is huge mm-hmm. theologically to it get, is. it is not you mustering up the ability to believe in God. God gives you that as a gift to mm-hmm. believe in him. Mm-hmm. Like he awakens your soul. You were dead. Mm-hmm. You, you, had no, you had no capacity to believe in him. And so for him to breathe life into you, that is a beautiful, merciful, eternal gift. The second part of that gift is is the allowing of suffering. For in our suffering, we can look back at our life and the moments that that we have been most consistent in prayer, most consistent in the word, most consistent in Christian fellowship, when we have felt supported by our brothers and sisters around us, typically aren't on the days that it's all great. Mm-hmm. It's typically on the days that we are suffering That's right. from something, some through something, for something, in something. Mm-hmm. It's in those moments that God takes his church and rallies them together. Uh, and so, yeah, suffering may not sound like a good gift, mm-hmm. but it's one of the most gracious gifts he gives his church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think – go ahead. Well, I, I think there are some things that just almost can't happen without those times, like a work that God does in us to reveal things in us, to reveal maybe where our uh, where our hope lies, to reveal maybe even idols in our in our lives – uh, that he does during those moments of suffering that we just we we almost can't get them during the great moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know for for many uh, within the counseling world, you know their their greatest growth, not just growth like I'm reading my Bible more or that kind of thing, but growth like really deep internal growth comes through hard things, yes, hard right. times, and often over a journey through that. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's not like they. They were hurt. Something bad happened, and then two days later, right. they're thanking God for all this new new growth that they've had. Uh, but it starts a process yeah. where they really kind of go inward and spend more time with God. To your point earlier, often inviting other brothers and sisters into their life, saying, "Hey, pray with me because of the thing that I'm going through." Yeah, community gets built through that. They're in the Word more. They're digging through what is God doing, and so the relationship I think can grow. Not always. Right. I mean, it doesn't Certainly always grow because we can go the uh, the other way with it, but it has the opportunity. Yeah, I, f- I find myself um, now again. You got to know my backstory and anxiety and depression that all live there, and and still part of the generalized anxiety that I, I continue to battle every day. Um, and, and I didn't know this wasn't normal until one of my most recent counseling sessions with uh, my my lady Lisa Owen. She's fantastic. Shout out to her. Um, I, I thought everybody thought about calamity happening all the time. Like I thought everybody wakes up thinking about how their their kids are going to die or their wife is going to die or they're going to die. Yeah, Yeah. I I didn't know that wasn't 
normal for everybody. Uh, and so as I'm sharing that, she was like, you know, that's not normal, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, that's been as long as I can remember in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so for me, like I found myself even yesterday, I was walking out of the house, going to the garage refrigerator uh, to get, uh, if you haven't had the new Diet Dr. Pepper cherry, it's fantastic. Uh, and I don't even know if it's new. It's new to our Kroger on 51. And I was walking out here to get that and I picked it up and I was like, God, thank you for the grace of Dr. Pepper. I know that sounds silly. I know that sounds weird, but I'm walking back in the house and I'm just like, okay, I wonder when, I wonder when the next time God's going to give me that gift of suffering. And I was like, wait, that, I don't know if that's normal. And so in, in this, I'm just confessing to you, maybe, maybe some, some brokenness in me that's still, but I have learned to enjoy trusting God that mm. in, in the moments that are good, man, I trust him and it's good. And in the, in the hard it may be hard to say it and it may be hard to see it, but I know I can still trust him even mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. or right at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think going back to your beliefs, like if we if we really think about it, our brokenness, which mm-hmm. is an aspect of suffering, yeah. is what actually leads us to Christ in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so this this idea that that Paul uses here is this, this suffering like you said, is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Like it brings us closer to him. And and I think as we think about belief and suffering, right? Um, going back to disunity even, mm-hmm. if 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 the enemy, if Satan can use things and maybe suffering and maybe the way we view suffering mm-hmm. in our lives, he might use those things to bring disunity. Right. And so one of the statements I wrote down was like, if, if we have the correct view to live for Christ and his kingdom— and it be all about that, that we hold loosely the things of this world, mm-hmm. all right? The things that we tend to think about in our mind as suffering, especially in the culture we live in, the things that we might lose or the things that we might lose the comfort of, mm. like we'll typically put suffering in that aspect yeah, versus right. suffering for the gospel, right? right? But if we'll learn to to hold loosely those things, then the leverage that the enemy, the mm-hmm. leverage that Satan has now is gone from yeah. our life because we have yeah, the mindset right. to, to, live as, right. to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. That's right? so good. Um, and so, so this suffering, suffering is, uh, is a huge, and, and you're going to see it more in Paul's letters too, right? Yeah. Uh, he, and he continually talks about it. And, so. and the unity of that, I think, uh, I know in my own community, right? So the, the, the couple of families we get together, we try to get together every week and to remind each other of gospel truths. It, and I would say moments like that, that if we are to say, live as Christ as die as gain, I think that's easy to say on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. in church. It's harder to say uh-huh. when living is going to be hard and dying is real in front of you. Yeah. But it's much easier when your community around you reminds you, hey, remember, this is true. True. Hey, rem- for us, remember, this is true. This is the calling that we've trusted. This is This is the Christ that we serve. When we have that community that is not just people walking together, not not in you know connection with yeah. one another, but you are doing life side by side with one another, and you are speaking into each other's life and allowing others to look and speak into yours, there's something beautiful and powerful that happens. Mm-hmm. To your point, mm-hmm. it, the enemy loses a lot of leverage, or if, mm-hmm. if not yeah. all leverage, That's right. mm-hmm. that we can begin to say those things. And Going back to the whole, like the the big grand narrative of this, Paul's saying the reason he can say that is because I have you. You you have not abandoned me. You have come alongside me. I know I'm in prison, but man, you have supported me and loved me because of your unity. I can say these things. Mm-hmm. So it would be the same for us. Yeah. Mm. That's, That's good. great. 
Hey, good discussion today, guys. Um, and uh, I look forward to continuing to press through this book. It's been it's been really great. I feel like I say that about every every series. Yeah, good. Yeah. The Bible is good. Uh, yeah. right? I would hate the day that we get to the podcast saying that was a trash uh, sermon yeah. and a trash series. I'm I can't so wait to get out of this book. Yeah, I really didn't like that book, the Bible. So, you know, hey, so uh, next next week though, right? The next like week. one of the core passages of Philippians. If you yes. like the hymn of Christ, the hymn of Christ, mm. the hymn of Christ yes. comes up this yeah. this coming week. The beautiful the, picture, the beginning part of of chapter two. We covered the first four verses, but it's a setup to. This, this beautiful, this is the heart of Christ, and we should have it, the mm. mind of Christ. Yeah. Mm. Looking forward to it. Yep. Great. Well, guys, uh, great. Thanks for joining the discussion today. And uh, always, always good to sit in this room. Mm-hmm. Always good to walk alongside you. Love you guys. Love yes. you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others, and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.